We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. Go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I am your host, Alex Golden. You can find me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. And you guys can follow my co-host, Mike Focci, at underscore F-A-C-C-I on Twitter. Focci, welcome back, brother. Hey, hey, we're back. Um, man, uh, close game, close loss to the Pelicans. Now, I know there's still some people that want to win, some people that, you know, don't want to win. But I think we might be thinking ourselves come June that we didn't win this game. Yeah, no, it's uh, it definitely helps with how close the Pelicans are to us in the standings and in terms of getting a draft pick. But before we get to that, I do want to address the elephant in the room, Fachi. We have exceeded our, our goal of 175 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We are actually currently at 182. So we are going to keep our promise and we are going to give away some prizes with that. So um, it's been a hot minute since we were, we were so close to reaching that goal. And then we just kind of skyrocketed through with some extra people throwing out some ratings and reviews for us. So um, if you send me an email before and I, haven't got back to you yet, please resend your emails of the rating and review so you have a chance to enter into the contest for 
um, one of the jerseys, one of the one of the cards, and what else did we say we were going to give out here, Fletch? Do you remember? Was it, was it a Jermaine O'Neal autograph photo? It was something with Jermaine O'Neal, I remember. That was, I think that was one of the cards that I had. I can't cards. remember what else. Oh, maybe we talked about a hoodie. That's what it was. A setting the yeah. pace hoodie. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we got those packages. We're still going to stick with that and give those away, but we want to make sure that everybody um, gets in there. I lost a lot of those emails for some reason. They deleted after so many days, and I was having a hard time finding them, so please um, just send me another email. I'm going to screenshot them all and save them all in a file. But thank you so much for the support. It really does not go unnoticed. But uh, let's get back to basketball here, Fachi. So a lot of weird stuff happened in this Pelicans game. Dwayne Washington Jr. set the rookie record for most three-pointers made in a game with seven. And on top of that, Gogo Batadze started the game. And then come the second half, Gogo Batadze, nowhere to be found, they start with O'Shea Brissett at center. So what were your thoughts on all the different things we saw in that game yesterday against the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, I think Goga and Isaiah getting in foul trouble really, uh, you know, smashed the emergency glass for O'Shea to play some small ball five. Um, I, I thought he did his best. Uh, O'Shea really did. I mean, pulled down nine boards, six points, two blocks. I mean, we know he's undersized, but did what he could um, over there. But Dwayne Washington was definitely the story. Seven of 12 from three. At one point, I remember being five of seven from three. So he was a marksman. I mean, Ridley was, we knew he could shoot dating back to the summer league games, but his play had been a bit inconsistent. 21 points in just 23 minutes. Every shot he put up was a three-pointer. I thought it was awesome because for a guy that was undrafted, playing on a two-way deal, it showed this is how you stick around the league because you could never have enough shooters. And this Pacers team is the definition of that because they barely have any shooters. So, you really needed a guy like Dwayne Washington. Uh, I know it came in a loss, but he shined, and that should be one of the big takeaways there, uh, his performance. Yeah, I know it was a great game from Dwayne Washington Jr. We were having some fun with it, putting some memes out. I put the Spider-Man meme out last night with uh, Reggie Miller, uh, <laughs> you know, without the glasses and then with the glasses. It was Dwayne Washington Jr. Um, I, I even said that the New Orleans public or the New Orleans Fire Department had arrived to the Smoothie King Center. Um, because there was rumor of a flamethrower <laughs> in the building. So, you know, it was just one of those games where it felt like every time he shot the ball, it was going to go in. And I know he had some clutch moments there. I, I really enjoyed watching Lance Stevenson orchestrate the offense and, and find him multiple times throughout the game. So, you know, Lance Stevenson, while, you know, he can have some of his flaws and he can be an inconsistent scorer, one thing he is really solid at doing is being a playmaker in that court vision that he has so naturally. Um, I, I, he had Goga come up and set a screen for him on one of the plays that they shared on uh, Pacers Twitter. And Goga, he had him come up and set like a screen for Lance, like he was going to drive. And then he had Lamb set another back screen for Dwayne Washington to just get a little bit of space. And he, he nailed it. So it was really awesome. But I, I think the bottom line here is the Pacers were competitive, but they still picked up the loss. And while it might be a loss for the, the win-loss column here in the regular season, it is definitely a win in terms of getting closer to a higher draft pick. So, Fachi, anything else on this game before we bring on Scott Agnes? No, I would just say, hey, limited minutes, just 12 minutes for Isaiah Jackson, but led the Pacers in plus-minus with plus-nine. Mm. Man, I want to see more of this guy on the court this season. Absolutely. So we know Domas is dealing with that ankle injury. Miles is dealing with that foot injury. And then TJ Warren is out as well. So still going to be ample opportunity here for um, Isaiah Jackson to get minutes. And so we're going to have Scott on to talk about these injuries, give us a little bit of an update on that, and then get his pulse on what he thinks might happen in the next couple of weeks as we approach the deadline. We're going to bring on Scott Agnes right now. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, everybody? Joining us now on Setting the Pace. He is no stranger to this episode or this podcast, I should say. It's the one and only Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse File. Scott, how's it going, man? What's going on, guys? Uh, things are going well. Um, we're all hanging in there, I think, right now. It's just been <laughs> tough because it's less basketball talk. And, and for me, I feel like for like the fourth straight year, I'm on an injury beat covering that stuff rather than the, the day-to-day of a team and wins and the highs and lows. Yeah, I totally understand that there. And I mean, obviously, so many injuries. You had an article you were telling us before we started, you've wrote like your last four articles on injury reports. And so uh, I want to start off with the first one you wrote, and that was over last week. And it should be like 10 days now, I guess we could say. Miles Turner uh, suffered a foot injury. And obviously, we've we've talked about this on our show, but I'm curious, how do you think this impacts his, um, you know, value in, in terms of being traded come that deadline on February 10th. And do you think that he'll be able to recover from this before the season's over? I do. Um, Stress reaction. The good thing is it is a reaction, not a fracture. And by catching it earlier, you don't have that fracture part that could lead to more. And if it's that you're going to miss significant time, Um, not quite to the TJ Warren level, but closer to, to that range because of it. And so I think that was a good sign. Um, but in terms of trade market and that type of stuff, the opposing, the other team is going to want to see x-ray CT scan before they agree to anything. And then of course, a lot would hinge on, you know, the, uh, physical that miles would have to take, uh, and clear, uh, upon arriving much like Karis Levert did. Right. And then it took a couple days and the Pacers actually were able to get another pick in all of that after reviewing the records. I think it gives Posing teams that are considering him a little bit of a pause. Um, but I, I don't think it is anything too significant that would signal stay away. So, you know, staying on the subject of injuries and trade, one guy who has been in and out of the lineup, which, you know, you mentioned a few days ago, Dr. Agnes, that is on the line, but Karis Levert. Uh, Levert returns to the game against the Pelicans. You know, eh, not the best game, but he's had some strong performances recently. 
Uh, do you see this as Levert auditioning for the rest of the league, or does it still seem like, hey, don't be surprised if he's on that Pacers roster following the trade deadline? I would I would highlight it as the Pacers showcasing him yeah. a little bit. I would say going back for more than a month now, it's been notable not only what he's been able to do on the court probably since uh, mid-December, but on top of that, I th- we may have even hit on this the last podcast, but I think it's been notable how much Rick Carlisle has praised him strategically in my mind um, is how I view it. Like I haven't seen this guy play better basketball. He's not even hitting his groove yet. And look what he did tonight type stuff. I mean, there was that run at the end of December that was just spectacular and, you know, 25 plus points per per game and such. And not quite triple double levels, but um, I thought he's playing really good basketball. It just how I see it and what I continue to hear about is the fit in the relationships are just not there. And so he's the most likely to be moved. Yeah, so I, obviously we, we're monitoring both Turner and Levert very closely here as they seem like the prime uh, players to get moved here. So I guess my question would be, if you could do like a percentage, what do you think the likelihood is of both Miles and Karras being dealt at the oh, deadline? Man. Oh, you're, you're digging into my prediction model, which isn't necessarily my favorite. You know that. <laughs> I'm not asking you to tell me where they're getting traded. You're just like, what's your like uh, per- yeah. percentage-wise? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I think Levert probably looking at 80%, Miles 70%, 60%. And what about Sabonis? Do you think he's involved in that that, that talk as much? I don't. Um, I think another team would have to make a meaningful, significant offer to pry him away. You know, maybe not have shot the ball too well lately, but another name that could be on the move. Jeremy Lamb has at least received far more playing time than earlier in the year. Over his last four games, he's averaging close to 25 minutes per game. Has Lamb showcased enough for a team to be looking at him more than a buyout candidate? I don't think so. Maybe if they want a little something else, but not really because, yeah, I mean, what do you, I don't see him making a difference for any team right now. Um, maybe if a team wants his bird rights. It would be of note for them, but he's a guy, what, making 11 million? It's like, yeah, it's like 10. Yeah, just under 11 million. Um, He's not going to come in and be any central part of your team. Um, I just, you could probably get a second round pick for him. Um, I just, he's a guy I I think would be way back uh, among the players that could be in consideration to be traded, probably fifth, sixth, seventh on that list. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of the other guys that could be traded, too, I know this has been a hot topic, but I think two guys that could get you something of decent return is both Torrey Craig and Justin Holiday. Do you think the Pacers are more apt to look at trading some of those veteran-type players that are on shorter contracts? Because last year they did not do that with Doug McDermott. They actually kept him during a, another loss season. I mean, I know they made the play-in, so it was totally different circumstances than this year. But, you know, another – couple guys like that that might not fit the long-term future of this team. And with this being a market where there's going to be a lot of teams looking to buy, the Pacers being one of the few sellers, I feel like those two could be names that are very intriguing to other teams. Yeah, there's definitely some interest there with those two guys, I believe. Um, And in terms of what it it would come down to just what the offer is out there. You're not trading them for, for something basic, I don't think. 
because uh, those guys are positive with locker room. Um, they're positive culture guys. They're defensive guys. And we know the Pacers don't have a lot of those. Like, I think Torrey had a really good road trip and what he yeah. was able to provide defensively. Um, and Justin's, you know, the utility knife for this team, willing to provide just about whatever the whatever they need on a given night. Maybe like, a, what is it, Golden State three-point shots. And another night, it's defense. And um, he's also not going to ever complain if, you know, he's on the bench early in the fourth quarter or anything like that. And so there's some value into that. And I know, for example, with Justin, he wants to be here. He loves it here. Um, so he's not necessarily looking to be moved um, to a better situation or a winning situation. He's comfortable. Um, but I also think those guys realize that they could be dealt just because of the Pacers' current situation and that those two, even more than and Jeremy, would bring back some value. Now, with Justin, it's notable he couldn't be traded to uh, certain teams just because of his vaccination status. So that alters that just a little bit um, if you bring up the Brooklyn Nets, for example. Um, but otherwise... Yeah, yeah, those are the conversations I think the Pacers are having with a number of teams. And I, th I think just about anyone on this, nobody on this roster is untouchable if you make the deal sweet enough. And the realistic thing is most of the deals aren't going to be sweet enough. I don't envision, um, especially right now, say for a guy like Domus Sabonis, I don't think at this juncture at the trade deadline that a deal is going to be sweet enough. If something did happen there, I believe it'll be more likely in the summer. Um, but I also want to make clear, I don't think the Pacers are necessarily looking to trade him. You know, two quotes that Kevin Pritchard lives and dies by is we're going to be a tough out and we're not going to make a trade just to make a trade. However, does the, the extra playing time from Goga and Isaiah that we've seen recently force the Pacers hands to potentially act sooner in possibly trading Turner because there's too much talent resting on that bench right now. So in part, that's kind of how I have felt. I, to your question, no, I don't think it changes the thought process behind the scenes at all. If one of them, if they do make a deal with the, one of the centers, I, I think one, it would be to make the player happy and get some value back for the team. Um, and I also think it would be a, a step forward in terms of the progress for the franchise, because we've seen this as we've discussed at length with you guys, like we've seen this for three years. And how about if, if anything, guys, I think the most recent game, with the team going uh, there in New Orleans and Rick Carlisle not starting in the second half, either Goga or Isaiah Jackson is further an indictment on trying to start Miles and Domov because it's, I get the circumstances, you know, uh, you got Jonas Valanciunas, you should be able to need at least one big out there. And he said, Hey, I like our strategy going with none better. What does that say about Miles and Domas trying to start together? Right. When you yeah. already have, now you have four guys. At that, I, they got to make some changes there. Yeah. And well, go, yeah. by the way, and to that point, Goga, I mean, there's an, another guy that if you're not going to use him properly, I think he needs a fresh start. Now, if you're going to play him, start playing him regularly and maybe one guy moves on, you move miles, then that maybe changes the conversation. But I believe if it stays status quo, let's say, and miles doesn't get mooted, moved, then you got to think about moving Goga. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've thought, too. It's like I, I felt like there's five to six guys that could be traded and Goga being that six on the five we've already talked about, uh, Turner, Levert, Lamb, um, uh, Craig, and, and Holiday. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a, quite a few people the Pacers could move. Um, there was a, some stuff coming out today that's saying the Pacers could move on, too, from T.J. McConnell. Now, that, to me, is an interesting one because right now we know he's injured. 
and what he means to this team. And I know Rick Carlisle has had some very high praise for him. Do you, do you buy into anything in terms of maybe moving on from McConnell? I don't. I have not heard anything regarding TJ McConnell. He's just, he's rehabbing. We're do we're going to get an update on him from him, uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Um, but he's a guy who wouldn't be able to add anything to a team really this year. Yeah. Uh, after being sidelined for a couple months, some around the league believe he was overpaid. So I'm I'm not sure. Maybe maybe that would be if you need to add filler. Uh, or that's that's a bad way to put it. If you need to make contracts work, because he's definitely yeah. not a filler. Right. Um, but I yeah I don't know I don't believe TJ McConnell will get moved. Fellas, my my top recommendation is grab your fire extinguisher because it is smokescreen city out there. Rumors are flying left and right on these trades. Don't know what to believe. However, transitioning over to some things that you have seen in the absence of the starters. Scott, what has been maybe one of the most eye-opening or positive things you've seen from the guys that have had more playing time and been able to step up over the last week or two? A little bit of a recency bias, but I think I think there's a role on this team for Dwayne Washington Jr. because they've Absolutely. lacked at shooting. And, you know, he hits seven threes against New Orleans. And, yeah, you don't even need that or expect that. But if he could do that occasionally, but on top of that, play 10 minutes, knock down a couple threes long-term and play have a, a better role there. I mean, Pacers have lacked shooting for a decade, haven't they? So mm-hmm. I think that's that's the most glaring thing. And on top of that, um, the other thing that sticks out to me, and, and we've known this, but we're just seeing more of it, is how Isaiah Jackson gives the Pacers a whole new element that they haven't had maybe ever in terms of uh, a big running the floor, of being a rim threat, a lob threat. Um, we were talking with guys, excuse me, on this road trip, and they were like, oh, yeah, we have to re- readjust ourselves. Um, like Justin Holiday or Lance said, I can throw it up, and he's just going to go get it and throw it down. You're not doing that with Mo- Miles or Domus. Yeah, definitely not Domas. I would be surprised to ever see him go up in the air and get an alley-oop. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson, I just I just revert back to that play that he had late in the fourth quarter against the Warriors, and I believe Justin Holliday threw him the alley-oop. And then they pan over to the side, and Lance Stevenson's there jumping up and down, getting excited for, for that play. And, you know, one of the questions I keep hearing from people is, you know, what's the long-term goal here with Lance Stevenson? And so with him getting this second 10-day contract, it's the last one they can offer him. Uh, it'll just come up a couple days short of the NBA trade deadline. What do you think kind of contract-wise he gets long-term, and do you think that he will be here, be here next season for the Indiana Pacers? Yeah, so that contract, because the Pacers don't have any active player in the protocols, they were unable to really maximize that second, uh, a second 10-day hardship mm-hmm. um, contract. I think that lasted like a day, maybe two max, and then they had to sign him to the standard. So no more after February 2nd, unless I guess you got several more players in the protocols, then you could do one of those again. But um, I do not believe it is a given that the Pacers sign him after this point. Um, it remains to be seen. I think it is more likely than not, but I would not assume that to be the case. Um, and then from there, we can see about next season. If he is with the Pacers after that second a contract. I think it's very likely that it will include a team option um, or a non-guaranteed date, obviously all in favor of the team. Um, but Lance is not looking to go anywhere. It's just a matter of if he's in the plans of the front office and Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And it's going to be curious to see how that pans out, how fans react, because you know Lance has cooled off a bit over uh, the past you know week or two compared to 
you know, his game against Brooklyn and, and then the, the 14 assists. So he had some great performances early on, but not even telling a joke here. Do you envision Brogdon truly as being questionable for potentially the rest of the season? Hold on. I do want to finish up that Lance conversation because mm-hmm. um, because there's been a several several factors here. For one, they just went on the road. We know he's not as good of player Very true. Or, or a lively player, we should say, on the road. Secondly, Domus has been out. Those two are probably the highest IQ players on the team in terms of basketball, I think. Uh, there's that without that pairing, there's that magic has not been uh, the same. So I think that impacts it. And thirdly, I don't understand starting Kiefer, not in Lance, um, which suggests to me my previous point about how Rick in the front office feels about Lance. Because if you are trying to win games and you want to put the better play out there, I'm not sure I can hear an argument where Lance is not better than Kiefer. Now, Kiefer provides different things. He's a better shooter, um, but Lance is a better passer, provides energy. How about that play we saw in New Orleans? It just sticks with me of how... He is pounding it. He does turn it over a couple times a game. Again, we're used to that. You take the bad with the good. But he's he's moving Jeremy Lamb, I think, to set a flare screen. And then he's, what was it? And then he sends an opposite pass or something, and a guy knocks down a three. Maybe it was Dwayne Washington. That's mm-hmm. brilliant basketball. And he's always finding that corner guy on the pick and roll. To me, I've been surprised Lance's minutes are more like 10 to 14 rather than 20 to 24. Um, so those are kind of three additional thoughts on Lance. Now, in terms of Malcolm, I'm very baffled a little bit by this situation because I'm getting mixed signals before the trip. Malcolm was overly positive about his situation. He's saying, Hey, it feels better and better. Um, I'm very happy with where I'm at. I've had conversations with people that have had this injury, um, but I feel comfortable with my treatment options. He's tried needling. He's done different other stuff uh, and feels good about it. Um, understanding that, yeah, he's not going to be available for every single game moving forward, but it's much better than maybe you would consider when you think about a sore Achilles and what it could lead to, right? But then he played, I think he played in the game and then sits out and then they decide as a team to do this, uh, shutting him down for 10 days, which I don't disagree with. In fact, I would have done it a week or two earlier for Malcolm's sake and knowing his body, and knowing he's going to miss time, I, you do not mess with Achilles. And they have a firsthand experience with it before training camp with Edmund Sumner. And, and that's a guy Malcolm can talk with because Ed's still around the facility, still getting treatment by the team, even though technically not part of the roster right now. Um, but it, it, I, I think we'll get some clarity here at the start of the month and maybe around the trade deadline about his situation and, and also how much of it is tied to the success of the team, knowing from a basketball standpoint, this season's not necessarily going anywhere. So what would be the value of a guy like Malcolm playing when, if he's not close to a hundred percent, because no one's a hundred percent right now, but if there's, if you can take a week off, you know, that's better, but you also don't want him play one on and off again. And that's, I think what I wrote several days ago is that was the, that was the challenge is, the daily conversation, is he questionable? He's a game-time decision, and I don't think that's healthy for anyone, whether it's Malcolm um, not knowing if he's going to play that night or Coach Carlisle not knowing who, who he's going to go with. And I did, I did ask that question to Rick, and he did bring up the good point. Hey, look, Kiefer's def- desperate for, um, to play and to take advantage of his opportunity, and then we have another guy who's named Born Ready. So, yep. yeah, clarity <laughs> is nice, but I, I think he wasn't too concerned about those two. I thought that was well played by Rick. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. That's that's a great play right there. But, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, he's been a guy that's kind of been, you know, divided, I guess you could say, by the fan base in terms of how, of how they feel about him as a long-term answer. And then another guy that fans are questioning whether or not he should be retained, and that is TJ Warren. So you're looking at two guys here that could be a part of your core moving forward, but with the injury history to both of them, is it really smart for the Pacers to invest in these two guys? I know they already gave the extension to Malcolm, but TJ Warren, especially being an unrestricted free agent this coming summer. I mean, what exactly do the Pacers need to see from him before they're willing to bring him back? And what kind of contract do you think that he should be getting in this offseason, Scott? That's a, a good question, just purely because we haven't seen anything. Maybe they're seeing more stuff behind the scenes, but He's doing more practice. We've seen him shoot threes. I posted a video at fieldhousefiles.com for subscribers where you can see three minutes of him working with Gennaro Pargo and playing a little one-on-one, -on -one, but mostly shooting, doing drills. He actually does look like he's in good shape, uh, trimmed out a, a little bit, as, as Carlisle noted there. Um, but I want to see him play five-on-five, five, which he hasn't done yet. I want to see him play three-on-three three and against competition, and he hadn't done any of that. So at the minimum, I think it would absolutely worth be bringing him back for a low risk type contract, whether it's, I, I'll be curious how other teams feel about this, right? Because are you willing to shell out $10 million a year, even on a one-year deal? I, I don't think you would be unless you had some, something to go after. So I kind of also have mixed feelings about whether TJ needs to play again this year. Part of me thinks he shouldn't. And there's many that actually believe that in terms of if he plays, he could maybe only hurt his value because then people have something to, look at and it, right now the unknown would lead to a better contract but at the same time uh, you would like to see something would like to see him play for 10 or 15 games here but he's, he would have to ramp up quite significantly um, in terms of the Pacers I think if it's a low risk contract it'd be something I'd be willing to take on but I, I think they do need to get away from taking chances on guys with injury history because it is just bit them in the rear end if, what are we on like year four or five now um, it feels like that strategy of, of buying low or, or buying a guy, um, or taking on a contract of a guy that maybe has some injuries because of this market. I just, I don't want to play that game for another couple of years personally. Yeah. For, for Warren, who's always been a, an efficient shooter, uh, in his career, I just feel like he probably does have more to lose than gain by being out there. I mean, we yeah. saw when Oladipo returned, I mean, it, it was tough. I mean, from an efficient standpoint, it was not there. Um, but when you're looking at Warren in a contract year at, at this point, I, I really wouldn't feel too comfortable giving him more than say one year. And I know that that's not what he wants. I know that's not what really anyone wants, but at that point, just like G, G mentioned, uh, the Pacers can't take another big risk on a guy that has proved he can't be healthy, but one guy that right now, Hold on, on Patrick. Mm -hmm. one thing I, I would draw back while Vic did not show that he to a certain level, what he could do, you know, 30 points. I thought it worked out beautifully for him and the Pacers because in that short window, let's call it uh, a month, the, um, not his initial return, to be clear, like that January 20, basically it was, what, two years ago, um, mm -hmm. talking about the, the start of that previous season. I thought that first month was beautiful because he yes. showed he's a 20-point-per-game guy again, and that's why the Pacers were able to get Karis LeVert. If he didn't show that, I'm not, I'm not sure you'd get much more than maybe a late-round pick type thing. Sorry, I, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted no, to clarify that. No problem at all. And I definitely agree with that because I, I think that in a short term, I don't think Warren's going to be able to show enough this year 
okay. to prove to everybody, hey, I'm back. I think it would take the playing a little bit and then coming back after an offseason to feel more like himself. But one guy right now that I feel like has gone through the highs and lows and is he, he's not only say back, but playing really good basketball, Chris Duarte. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about what you've seen Duarte, who went through the classic rookie struggles a little bit? Maybe we got spoiled early on. And right now, I mean, over his last five, six games, is averaging over 20 points per game on the month of January. He's shooting really efficiently. What have you liked out of Duarte lately? I liked his confidence. I, I liked how he, he seems to be clean, playing with a clearer mind. And I think there's just been a lot of stuff maybe behind the scenes, the birth of his kid. Um, and he shared with me that it was just a very tough pregnancy. And we don't know the extent of that, but, you know, there's got to be some challenges at home you deal with, right? And, and caring for his girlfriend, also while caring for his two-year-old son. So on top of that, the newness, um, how about this, this current trip? And I, I say current because yeah, you're, they're home for one game, but it's basically a continuation of a long road trip. That'll be about 14 days. None of these, the rookies have experienced this. Kiefer Sykes has not experienced this. So that's actually been impressive to me is what he's been able to do on this road trip, despite having a two week old uh, daughter at home, missing that valuable time and being away for an extensive time. Um, I, I just think he's playing confidently and, and with a clear mind, and the result has been obvious. Yeah, and it's been interesting, too, this year for Duarte, having multiple different roles with this team, whether it's being that fifth starter when everybody's healthy or coming off the bench and being the sixth man and you know, then being the go-to guy when all these injuries are down and, and all these guys are down with injury and him having a great game, another career high, tying his career high uh, in a Thursday night against the Warriors. So, what exactly do you think is the, the future trajectory of Chris Duarte? Do you envision him more as a long-term shooting guard starter for this Pacers team, or do you see him as more of a, of a guy that's going to come off the bench and, and be that sixth man for him? Yeah, I, I see him more as a starter, absolutely. And, and to my point much earlier about what are you playing for right now, I see no reason he doesn't start because he, it's, it's not about today or this week or this season. You're playing for, for him to get valuable, valuable minutes. He wants to be starting out there. He's good enough to be starting out there. So I was a little bit surprised, quite honestly, for the first couple of games of the road trip that he didn't start, um, given he'd get, gotten past COVID, which he had had for the second time in a year. Um, and I think now that that fatigue was gone, because like me, that was the biggest thing he had been experiencing is he was just exhausted and was trying to have enough fluids and those sorts of things. But um, I, I think he's got to be your starter for the rest of the season because that's how you project to moving forward. So I, I would say for my last question, I would just say when the Pacers, we've talked about who could be on the move uh, from the Pacers, but if you're talking about from a trade deadline standpoint, what should the Pacers be looking to target? I think we go back to what we've seen to be what Kevin Pritchard likes. And that's less about, he wants draft picks, but he also wants the guys with high upside that aren't used properly, right? And that are on good contracts. And so those are the type of individuals, I think, that Kevin has, has shown he values. And right now he's in a very, very comfortable spot in terms of his place as, as the team president. And so it's kind of his, his ship that he's running. And so that's what I expect him to want more of. Um, the other thing is, too, right now – if you acquire draft picks, you don't know what you're acquiring, right? Because you don't know where necessarily they're going to be drafting. And so that's why if you want draft pick, if you get draft picks, you really like for that to be in the off season before the draft, when either the, the, the draft lottery has already been handled 
or at least you know firmly where a team is drafted. Yeah, no, and I get that too. I think, honestly, when it comes to draft picks, just having those extra assets to make moves too is uh, always enticing because there's always a ton of trade talk on draft day and the days leading up to that. So they've done several of their trades on draft night. I think yeah. to, I think about that young, I think about TJ Warren, um, those two here in the last, what, five years or so. So yeah, yeah you're exactly right. And with those, they knew what pick they were giving up or, or bringing back as well. Yeah, that's true too. So, you know, I, I guess my last question as we wrap it up here, Scott, um, I've seen some people talking about, you know, trying to acquire expiring contracts for that, you know, cap space. And I'm curious, number one, um, what, would the advantage of having cap space do for the Pacers in the offseason? And two, are there any free agents that could possibly be enticing to, to try to go out and get with that money? Ooh, I haven't even thought about free agency, to be honest. Yeah. No, I, I don't have an answer there. Um, okay. Generally speaking, the point of having some salary cap is because right now, and this is a point that Herb Simon tried to stress to me and others in that room with me, is look, we're spending money. This is one of his misnomers, and actually, I need to write about it. But um, he's saying, look, people don't think I spend. Do you realize that I'm basically, he's like a half a million from being in the luxury tax, which obviously would be a poor decision for this current group. But you can't say he's not spending. So what would it, would, it would ease the burden a little bit and allow for them to sign some guys in free agency or absorb guys um, in, in their contracts into that space. Whereas right now they're very limited in what they can do. That's why, for example, they had to send a, what a second round pick to Brooklyn for them to absorb Edmund Sumner's contract to open up another roster spot, which was then used. And so, um, th those are the type of situations It gives them ultimate flexibility if they could clear up some cap space, but keep in mind, TJ Warren, if you don't re-sign him, he's off your books. Jeremy Lamb, if you don't re-sign him, and I wouldn't expect that, he's off your books. So they're going to have some flexibility this summer. But first, as we all know, they need to get some clarity with their future direction and probably make a, a move or two here at the trade deadline. A lot of questions uh, to be asked. We do not have those answers yet, but we're going to find out a little bit more over the next few weeks. Scott, I definitely want to thank you for coming back on. We always appreciate your insight. Uh, tell everybody where they could find you on Twitter. Yeah, just at Scott Agnes and uh, fieldhousefiles.com. Awesome, awesome stuff, Scott. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. You bet. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Fachi, there it is. Scott Agnes bringing the heat like he always does. Always enjoy that insight that we get from Scott. Does a terrific job covering the team. And honestly, probably my favorite reporter to talk to that's covering the team right now. Scott's always great. Great insight. Uh, I mean, you could always trust Scott's word. Friend of the show, you know, we're, we're honored to you know be able to have him on as much as we do. Absolutely. So, Fachi, with that being said, the Pacers are back home for a one-game one-off before they go back on the road. So they've got the Charlotte Hornets, a team that they have not uh, beaten this season. However, there is some good news. The Hornets are playing Tuesday night, and the Hornets this season are 0-8 on the second half of a back-to-back. -back. So if you're looking for a Pacers win, 
this could be the opportunity. But if you're a Hornets fan, uh, this could be a good chance for you guys to break that streak. So um, interesting stuff there. But Fachi, enough about that. Where can the people find us at on social media? Right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And if you're excited that Dwayne Washington Jr. is still on fire after that game, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, Pacer Nation. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.